Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Everybody is in for a treat today, Michael. Rob Kessler, who has had multiple million dollar ideas, he's a billion dollar idea guy, is joining us. And listening to him talk about how he builds businesses, because he's a serial entrepreneur and inventor, um, the problems that he solves that I didn't even know were problems. And yet a lot of other people were tackled with them. He's a great get, and I'm excited to have him on the show. I love the fact about, we talk about relationships with him and the relationship with him and his wife as a business partner and all the things that they do together and how that works for them in the building of their, you know, empire and and developing new things and ideas and having that relationship, I think is just as important as the relationship you have with the people that you serve and you work for and that, you know, that are your customers. Facts. Okay. The intro can't take longer than the actual podcast. And so welcome, Rob. Thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. I'm excited. Well, we are excited. So, you know, in in Maria, who's our our booker, um, in her research, you kept popping up for her. And she was like, this is meant to be. He is smart. He gets branding. He's got a great story to tell. And so she put you right at the top of the list. And so we're so glad to have you here. I feel like it's a get for us, a big get. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear about how that all happened, but you know, I just, uh, I learned one thing from my dad when I was young, he made the the mistake of naming his company after himself. And as he grew and expanded and went from one store to a new city to seven stores, he's like, don't ever, ever, ever use your name because how do you sell, you know, Rob's boat service to Mike? And Mike's like, yeah, I, I own Rob's boat service. I, I own it now. Like, that's weird. So uh, I always look for names and then I brand everything around, you know, hopefully the name like explains what the product is and then you can just kind of roll from there. Right. Um, so a couple of things. Um, and I love that you said that since we named our agency after ourselves, um, I feel like in a way, this is a little bit of a therapy session that we're going to go through together today. So that's good. <laughs> um, and you know what it makes me think of, though, is Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I don't know if you ever had a chance to eat a meal there. Excellent mm-hmm. food. And so Ruth Fertel bought Chris's Steakhouse. Chris's was really well known, huge following in New Orleans and throughout the South. And um, so then when she bought it, she's like, yeah, I'll just add my name in front of it. So that's how it became Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, we all learned. I mean, it, it's the easiest thing to do. And you think, you know, I mean, you look at a lot of like a local store. I live in Tyrone, Georgia. Be like Tyrone Tire. Well, what if Tyrone Tire has a place in Peachtree City and then they have one in Fayetteville? Like, what are you, Tyrone Tire and Fayetteville? Like, think I always just, I always think all my ideas are going to be a billion dollars, and so I try to like go way, way beyond. So I, I'm, I'm just weird. Well, that's why no, we no. work for people like you. That's what <laughs> we need people like you to do what we do. So that works. But I think you have the valid point to believe you're going to have a million dollar idea because you've had a million dollar idea. So talk to us a little bit about your first big launch and how that went for you. So I started a nude clothing company, N-E-W-D, started for nothing, uh, stood for nothing else will do. So again, name says it all. I'm nude clothing. So I get to play off of that. Um, so I really wanted to be a brand. This is 2006. I mean, those crazy graphic t-shirts are selling for a hundred dollars. Ed Hardy. I'm like, what is happening? I, so I, I just started doing some graphic tees. I partnered with some artists I'm like, Hey, instead of having to sell like a two, $5,000 painting, why don't we take that art, put it on a t-shirt and then you can brand yourself with these shirts and then, you know, not have to just rely on one painting. Well, the artists were great, but they're terrible marketers. So they didn't sell anything. So I was buying all these blanks and printing all these things, paying people to print them. So I ended up hooking up with a dude that knew how to screen print. He taught me Two weeks after I met him, we split, bought all the equipment together. He taught me how to screen print. And then nude custom printing was born, which I hated. I did not want to be a screen printer. But when you looked at the finances, you know, I'd front 25 grand worth of blanks and stuff for the clothing company. And then when somebody wanted screen printing, they'd order, I'd order shirts. I'd have them tomorrow. I'd have them printed. And three days later, I'd have my money instead of waiting to like, Hey, maybe this store will sell something, or maybe this store will sell some, maybe I'll sell something online. So that's how that grew. And I just 
finally, after, you know, complaining about being a screen printer, my dad said, dude, what are you doing? Follow the money. Like it's, it's you're not even trying and it's coming to you. So right. um, I just grew that ended up moving out of my basement into a 6,000 square foot building with my wife and built that up, sold that one and um, moved to California and started all over. That is awesome. I, I think most people hear those stories and they're like, why is it so easy for him? And it's so hard for me. And I know it wasn't easy for you. I, I talk to entrepreneurs all day and I know how challenging it is. So share some of the big roadblocks and hurdles that you went through and how you overcame them. Because I think that's the stuff that really motivates others is when they realize they're not in this all alone. Well, I, I guess I focused on what I wanted to do. You know, I was looking to do 10, 15, 20 shirts and every one of these screen printers wanted hundreds of shirts and thousands of shirts that they had all these automatic presses. And I said, well, I'm going to find this little niche and just stay with that because that's what I wanted. I hate being nickel and dime. So you go to any of those printers and it's like, it's a $20 setup fee for this color and that color and this color and a shirt's this. And then you got to add that and this location that and I just, I just hated it. So I just went like straight up across the board pricing. Um, and then I labeled every single one of my shirts. I tore out the label. I screen printed my own label in before I bought a label machine. Um, and then I folded everything individually. Cause you know, if you ever bought a do you know, two dozen shirts, they're all like folded in twelves, you grab one and it's a huge mess. So I stacked them all by size. And, um, so, you know, I just, I kind of always look at things from a customer's point of view. I love a challenge. Like if something happens, it's like, okay, how do I fix that? I'm very, very focused on the solution kind of person. Um, my, my wife who's amazing is, is she doesn't have that quality quite yet. I'm working on it, but you know, she's like, Oh, you know, we got a dent in the car. We got a dent in the car. I'm like, okay, well we can go to the shop and just get the dent knocked out. Like what fix it, it happens. What are we going to do about it? Like it was move on. So, um, I, I always see those challenges or problems as a way to improve the process or improve the, the company. So I just look at it that way. Well, and I think that's the difference between a successful entrepreneur and not is when you see a problem, you see an opportunity for improvement. And I think other people see that and it kind of shuts them down. And so, you know, it, so you move from T-shirts. I don't want to get too far ahead in the story to collars, a problem I did not know we have. And now I am constantly aware of. <laughs> that's what all my friends say, man. You made me acutely aware of a problem I never knew I had. So yeah, thanks for that. Um, Rob. Really appreciate it. <laughs> So got married in Jamaica on the beach, toes in the sand, totally casual. I hate wearing ties. I think it was from my car salesman days where they forced me to wear a tie. Um, but I just never really liked wearing a tie. So when we got married before I could even say I do my brand new freshly pressed express one MX, the number one selling dress shirt in America had totally collapsed. I mean, you could see my undershirt. You could like, I was just tucked under my lapel. I just hated the way it looked. And this is the biggest day of my life and all my photos. I mean, we flew the photographer down. He took like 2,500 photos. I mean, thousands of photos. It was crazy. So we're going through all of them. I'm like, man, my shirt looked terrible. And I just kept remember adjusting it constantly. So I came home, I searched the internet. I didn't see anything that to me addressed the problem. Everything was some kind of collar stay, some kind of something up here. But the problem is, is there's no structure in the front of the shirt where the buttons and the holes are because dress shirts from 150 years ago have always been designed to be worn with a tie buttoned all the way up. They never had to have that structure. So I started with what I knew, which is a collar stay. I made it nine inches long. I sewed it down the front of the shirt and voila, I've got a shirt that will never crumble, never fold. You could wear a jacket all day long and it'll always look great. So I invented million dollar collar from my wedding day in 2013. It took three years to patent and to perfect the material to be sewn in once and last the life of your shirt. So no matter how knucklehead you are like me. And I take a shirt off and I throw it in a pile and I let it sit in the corner for, you know, 30 days before I wash it, wash, dry, iron, dry, clean, launder. It doesn't matter what you do. This will last for the life of the shirt. I, that's amazing to me. I love when people see something and they want to make it better. And so although they're solving their own personal problem, it turns out to be a solution that millions of people can benefit from. Michael, yeah, I mean, you I a, started with my shirts. Go ahead. Right. No, I was just going to say, I, I know Michael doesn't wear a lot of dress shirts anymore uh, because his boss lets him wear T-shirts and jeans to work. Um, but when you did, was this something that you ever thought like, man, I wish it looked better than that? 
I Me? think I always kind of knew the problem. Oh, you're asking Michael. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm asking Michael. No, I'm I'm in like I said, I'm I'm you know, as I'm reading through your materials right now, actually while we talk to, I mean, it it is a substantial difference. I mean, it when you look at it, like I said, maybe you don't notice it right away, but but the the, the cleanliness, the um the the tightness of it, how how it just wears. And yeah, definitely when I do wear um a, a button-up shirt every once in a while, we have a meeting where I have to dress up for. I'm not a Thai person either and I can't stand them, but you know, you can get away with a, a whole a professional look without going that route, you know, which is yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I love all the guys on Instagram that are like just hating on me and they're like, I like the sloppy casual better. I'm like, it, it, mm-hmm. I, you know what, in some scenarios that'll work. If you're going to the club and you don't really care, then cool. But in an interview or in a meeting in a business, like, there are certain circumstances where this is probably a preferred look. So but whatever, dude. people are going to hate. How did right. you get, um, I mean, are you strictly online sales? Are you retail in different places right now? So the challenge with my product is it has to be sewn in. You know, if you look at a dress shirt, both sides of this placket are visible. So it can't just be stuck on. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, every shirt's made exactly the same. So there's always two layers here and there's always two layers in the collar band. So literally open a couple stitches, slide it in, sew it back together. So we've, kind of stayed away from retail because of the explanation and the extra steps it takes. But, you know, we're a top seller on Amazon. Our website is cranked. We've sold over 450,000 units. Um, Most people are ordering 12, 15 sets. The average is like 12 or 13 sets. So people are really committing to it because trust me, once you get this in one shirt, you definitely want it in every shirt you have. Um, and we're, we're, we're just about to launch our third round of trying to make our own shirt. So uh, that's about to come in in the next 35 or 40 days. So we're really excited about that. Now that will take us an opportunity to go to retail. And it's a done product that's you know totally to our spec and the way we want it. That's amazing. I um, Not to date us, but I have uh, been watching a show that just recently came out on HBO uh, called Winning Season. It's a mockumentary about the Lakers when they came to power in the 80s. Uh, It's very well done. Uh, But Dr. Buss, who bought the team, likes to keep his shirts unbuttoned all the way to about his belly button. You know, it's it's early 80s. And so I'm thinking this would not be good for him. He would have he would have hated this too much structure. Yeah, it might have been a little little too much for him. There, there, we've got some guys who are like, what if I do, I, I want to undo three buttons. I'm like, uh, you're good, bro. Like, just <laughs> go with please don't. Yeah. Not just for me, but for all the ladies. Please yeah. don't. <laughs> Um, you know, in, in again, not a problem that I knew existed. And now I'm acutely aware of it for the people listening who cannot see over your shoulder, the before and after, or what you call average and amazing difference it is shocking. Like it really does set a tone of professionalism and crispness that doesn't exist otherwise. Yeah. You know, look, I mean, it, we're a very visual society and people judge other people within five seconds of seeing them. And if, you're in a professional setting or you want to make a good first impression, you know, the little details are what matter. I mean, I've had so many customers come back and say, people literally came up to me and said, I don't know what it is, but something looks different about you. Like this weird thing, knowing that you're put together just gives you this like underlying boost of confidence that it's not even spoken about. Like, it's just a thing that you get. And you can, you know, we say you can walk into any room, any situation and look great all day and all night long. I mean, not that I want anybody to do this, but I've got a friend who's kind of a knucklehead and he wore the same shirt for five days in a row. And it five days later, it looked as good as it did day one. I mean, other than the mustard stains and the whatever, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it stands up to the test of time. It's amazing. Well, your same knucklehead friend, you can do an add-on or an upsell of a deodorant or body spray, and then he'll be set. <laughs> Why do you guys sell deodorant? Well, I got one friend. That, uh... <laughs> I got this one guy. <laughs> well, you know, the same thing runs true. And a lot of things we talk about with our clients is, you know, your website, for example, or any materials you put out there, people, they immediately have a trust factor with you as soon as they see it. And if you don't look like you put the time into looking right in your logo, looking right in your web presence, looking right in your materials, uh, the person that answers the phone, the person answers all these touch points, you know, that can hamper 
how they think about you, their perceptions. And when you walk in a room, and again, if you don't have a, a certain look about you, it changes all that. Like, oh, I trust, I trust this person. Why do I trust him? Because he's put together, he's thought about it. He's, he's taking the time to think about those things with his business, with himself. I think it, it goes across the board when it comes to personal branding as well as business branding. Yeah, I mean, the little details to me are, are always what matter. It's funny because I do a lot of like construction stuff around the house and I hate the finish work. I like the rough stuff. But in, in the life and in the rest of things, it's those little details. I mean, my dad, seven jewelry stores, like super successful. And his one thing he changed when he, when you call on the phone was everybody says, can I put you on hold? Yeah, you can, but I don't want to be. He said, may I put you on hold? And that's an actual question that someone could actually say, yeah, yes, you may put me on hold. And like now every time somebody says can to me, I'm like, yeah, you can, but I don't really want you to. So like just the way you communicate to people, even on a simple word like may and can, it can really make a big difference. I mean, people really responded to that oddly on just that one word. Absolutely. You know, when I'm thinking about you, how would you consider, do you think you are a brand and into itself? I mean, you're doing the podcast, you are personality, you are the maker of this shirt and the things that you do. Um, I see your presence all over the internet when I typed you in. Um, and, and that in comparison or in juxtaposition with the brand of the product that, that you're promoting. Um, I, I didn't really want to be that, I think, in the beginning. But, you know, I, I've got a partner and my dad is a consultant and an investor. And it's like, you know, if those two aren't going to do it, somebody's got to. And um, I don't know. I don't really think of myself as as that kind of person. But. I, I just really, I definitely hate titles. I don't know. I mean, some like my partner's just like, I'm the co-founder. And I'm like, I, I don't, whatever, dude, call yourself whatever. People, I had a lady ask me last night, what do you do? I'm like, I, I, I own a yacht charter business. I have a clothing company. I invented a product. I have my real estate license. Like I just do stuff. Like I, don't, I just don't really like titles, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I'm, I was just on a show called billion dollar idea. So I, I mean, I'm willing to put myself out there and, I can talk about it more than anybody because I took three years and ruined a hundred shirts trying to figure this thing out. So I, I, I do all the daily books and all that stuff. And so obviously it's mine, it's a passion and I love it. Yeah. When, when it comes down to even like, like getting to where you are, you talked about the, the three year process of getting it patented and developed and, and everything else that you do. There is a, there is a sales process that goes into those things. Right. And there, and people are making deals based on your relationship and, and how you present yourself and how you're selling the product too. Cause that's a big part of it. Right. They may love the product, but if they don't love doing business with you and they don't love that, 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 that communication side, then it's probably not going to work out well. So you, you have to have a front person, right? You have to have somebody out there and talk about, you know, relationships and branding and how important is that? And how important was that in your development? Um, the relationships in the beginning were huge because I didn't have a ton of dress shirts. So I, you know, I had friends donating their old shirts for me. And like I said, I, I ruined a hundred shirts trying to figure this out. I'd wash and dry and iron and things would go great. And then I'd melt the plastic right to the shirt because the dry cleaners use such crazy heat. Um, and then from there it was, one of the things that we, we, we went on was to go into dry cleaners because I figured, you know what, if you care enough about the way you look, you're going to pay somebody else to clean your clothes. This could be a really good opportunity for dry cleaners. So we spent like 50, 60 grand going to dry cleaning trade shows for years, trying to get these guys to jump on board. And, you know, you stand there at your booth and you build a relationship and they're super excited. And then they just disappear. And then like, I, it just it blew my mind that we could not get these dry cleaners to jump on board. I mean, it's just such a, I feel like it's an antiquated business, but I mean, the small dry cleaner in the U S does 200 shirts a day. Like most stores won't sell 200 shirts in a week or a month. So you got a small dry cleaner does that in a day. I need 1% of those to turn into customers and you've got a million dollar a day business. So, um, yeah. I mean, we, we do the best we can <clears throat> with relationships. My, my partner's really good at getting into big, big stuff. He used to work for Salesforce. So he got us into a lot of licensing meetings. Um, so we talked to every brand to try to license this and they're always like, eh, I don't know if it's really a problem. Like, I don't know if my customer cares that much. So that's why we went back to the drawing board, started selling. We've sold almost a half a million units now. And these guys don't want to get on board. We just said, screw it. We're just going to make our own shirt, do it ourselves. Again, like a good entrepreneur, inventor, you see a problem, you solve it. But but back to the dry cleaners and not to pick on them. 
you know, they're in a, a fading industry. Um, we don't wear coats and ties uh, to and dresses to work like we used to. We've become a more casual society. Um, the world has, I think, started to rise up against the chemicals and the harsh ingredients that most dry cleaners use. So this is an opportunity for them to expand their footprint, get wider and deeper with their customers, provide a whole new revenue stream that's pretty easy, and they don't give a time of day. Is this because, in your opinion, um, they just don't have the vision? They don't want to put in the time. They they see the end is near and they're fading out. All of the above, something I haven't considered. And and what do you do when you feel like you just want to take an industry by the the shoulders and shake them into realizing this is a great opportunity and they're missing it? Um, I think it's a matter of. You know, like the guy that's going to a dry cleaning trade show has probably got multiple locations. You know, he's got a setup. And so that's why we went to those. But the girl at the front, you know, you've been to a dry cleaner. It's 16 year old girl, his daughter or somebody is like, how many shirts you have? Any stains? See in three days. Like they're not salespeople. So we went and built all these sales materials and try to make it like, here, buy a hundred pack. We'll give you all this stuff. Like, 5,000 flyers just staple into every order that goes out. And it just like, it just didn't, wasn't connecting. I don't know. I mean, I, I think these guys get so focused in on what they're used to doing. And we've had some dry cleaners that just cranked at it, but we could never get it over the hump to like a massive adoption of those guys. You know, this is a product that they could make 10 times their money on and installing. And, and it is, a you know, most of them make, 75 cents when they launder a shirt, even if it costs three, four, five dollars to you, because it's so hands-on with from washing it, getting it out, putting on the thing, blowing it out, and then buttoning it, putting it on a hanger. Like it's so labor intensive and they're not making any money. And I'm like, you can make almost 10 bucks if you do this and just offer the service. And they start doing the math and then it just whatever the they get into their business and they forget to work on their business. And it, we just start. We just said we beat our head into the wall too many times trying to get these guys. I just don't even deal with it anymore. If someone comes to me and says they want to do it, then I'll, I'll give them all the stuff, but we just don't spend any time on it. Well, I think it's, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things like, you know, looking at your product and I was just thinking back like the last time I, I dressed up really nicely. I went to a wedding last summer uh, for sister of mine in Atlanta. It was really nice. And I remember putting on the suit and just liking how I felt in it. Right. And I'm thinking about your customers and the ones on a deeper level it's beyond the tactile part. Like, okay, yeah, you're solving a problem, but man, it's a lifestyle thing. Like when you put, when you put something on and it fits right and you look sharp and you look clean, it changes who you are. It changes your, how you feel, like you said, how you feel about yourself, how people look at you. And so it, it may be like a simple little fix, but really it's, it's a, it's kind of a game changer in a lot of ways, especially for men, when you can put something on and it just feels good. And you're like, yeah, I feel, I feel tall. I feel, you know, like I'm like, I want to feel in this moment, whether I'm a suit guy or not, or, or a button down shirt guy or not, like it makes me kind of want to go put that on, you know? And I think that is a deeper level. And when you talk about, you know, those relationships with the clients that are coming back to you and ordering over and over again, there's a reason for that. It's not just because it, it, oh, my shirt's stay, staying better. You know, it's about how, how does it make you feel? And when you get down to the granular level of like a dry cleaner, they're not seeing any of that. They're like, they're looking, you know, how much time does it take? Is how do I sell this? Is this going to really benefit me? This is a lot of trouble. Everything works the way it is. So let's just not work. Let's not change anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely throwing a wrench in what they have. And, and the bigger guys have pretty good systems. I mean, they're intense on, mm -hmm. I mean, there's places like the tide cleaners they are doing like 40,000 shirts a day between all of their locations. I mean, it's crazy. So to try to throw something in, like, obviously that's the guy you want to go after that's doing 40,000 shirts a day, but you try to mess with that process that their, their thing is all turned around as fast as we can. You know, we, we ended up meeting one of the vice presidents of the company. They merged in with a different company and, and now they're like 80 locations or something like that. So they're huge, but to try to just add that one little thing just throws off the whole system. Sorry, I had to go to mute for a second because the uh, kitchen is right off my office. And our building is a, is a kind of a circle. It's 8,000 square feet, and I'm in the very back corner. You got to get through the kitchen to get to me. All that to say, when the ice maker is being utilized, 
It sounds like <laughs> rocks falling down a mountain. We close the door. We put out, you know, sound deadening things. It doesn't matter. It sounds like someone has hit an iceberg with the Titanic and it, that and the AC kicking on make Michael crazy. So I just go with a little mute and I think it makes the whole world a better place. Um, so Rob, back to you. Um, when you think about starting a new business, because you are a serial entrepreneur, which is my favorite kind of person. The idea comes first. The problem comes first. You start thinking about names and logos. What are the steps you go through to, to make sure you're putting yourself in the, the most successful light moving forward? Um, I look for the opportunity. So um, my wife and I, we had that 6,000 square foot building. We had eight offices in there. So we said, Hey, well, let's rent those eight offices. They'll pay for the whole building and we can run our businesses for free. I started with a duplex. I bought that building. Then we bought another building that had like 20, 20 or 22 more offices. So, but what we did with that business was, you know, I was looking for a space to move out of and you'd rent a space and be like, all right, it's three bucks a square foot. And then what's the electric and then what's the utilities and what's this and what's that? And what's this? I hate that. Like I said, I hate being nickel and dime. So we came up with all-inclusive offices. You get internet, you get electric, you get a kitchen, you get bathrooms and a sign, and you can come and go as you please. And we called that company, getoffyourkitchentable.com because it was the guy that was sitting at his kitchen table was ready to take that next office before they go to the big space. Uh, when we sold those buildings, I was living in LA and I love boats. My wife grew up on boats. Her parents have always had them. And I was working with a guy, a friend that had a yacht charter business. And I watched his business for a few months. And I said, I think there's an opportunity because all these boats are these two-story kind of... And most of the guys live on their boats. So it's like, hey, you can go anywhere, but just don't go into my underwear drawer down there. And the front. like, it's just weird. So I said, let's sell these, these buildings. And we bought a what's called an express cruiser. And so we saw the opportunity of a different style boat in that niche all inclusive pricing again, but luxury. So every, everyone gets a a charcuterie board when you get on, we've got water and soda and like all these extra little things. And so even that business that we're trying to sell right now, it was, I think that there's a niche in this bigger space of that people just aren't addressing. Like, you know, a lot of people travel to LA, like you don't want to roll up with bags and food. And like most people call and I say, look, you have to bring whatever you want to drink. If you want some specific booze or white claws or whatever, bring that. I've got towels. I've got, we're going to do burgers. If we do an anchor day, like we've got everything included. You don't have to bring anything. So that's what we did. So we see what other people are doing and then try to find that niche. And what I'm very fortunate to have is I get these like crazy ideas and then she makes them come to life. She is like the total nuts and bolts. Like she made the waiver and the contracts and like, she gets all that stuff and figured out. And then we figure out the budget and how much does it cost to do this? And yeah, if it wasn't for her, I'd be totally screwed. But um, (laughs) yeah, so I just, I, I see opportunities and niches. Right. You know, it's interesting. I, when I see a lot of a good, uh, working relationships, whether they are also married or just strictly professional. Um, for most of them, I see that one partner is usually more the accelerator and the other partner is usually more the break, right? Cause you need that balance. You go too fast, you go off the hill, uh, you go too slow. You never get enough momentum, but it sounds like you're both the gas and yet you have this great balance. Who's the person who sometimes says, hold on, let's pump the brakes. Let's think about this for a minute. Or is it just balls to the wall? Her? No, yeah. it's her. It's her. She's, yeah, that's why I'm like the, I'm the dreamer and the, she's, she is so practical and she sees everything as, you know, what's the real, what's reality? You know, right. what, what's and like every guy I talk to that wants some, is interested in my boat. I'm like, this guy's going to buy the boat. I just know this guy's going to buy the boat. Cause I had a good conversation with him and it, she just, she hears it a thousand times and she's like, okay, right. well, when it's sold and the money's in the bank, then, you know, I'll congratulate it. Right. So, right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, she's, it, she's incredible for that. that. That is awesome. And you need that balance. Um, so when you've got the, the crazy new idea, whatever the next one is going to be, do you look at it and, and say, Ooh, I need to build this out a little bit more before I bring it to her or does she hear the crazy idea from the beginning? And then she helps you kind of craft it. Um, 
she, I give, I have to give it a little bit of a basis. Um, we're working on a real estate thing that we're kind of working out right now, which is, you know, it was actually her idea, but it's, it's slowly evolved into something much bigger than we thought it could be. And it's just from us going back and forth and well, what if we did this and what if we did that? And, um, yeah, I mean, she's, she's really creative too, which is, is annoying because she's got both sides of it. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just dead weight sometimes, but I, I, <laughs> I come to these crazy, crazy ideas. I push her into doing things that she probably doesn't want to, but most of the time it works out. Thank God she keeps you around. <laughs> um, how much do you see when you're thinking about this, the next idea, are you thinking from the beginning, the exit strategy? Or do you go into it thinking, this is the one I'm going to take and run with forever? Because you've started and sold more businesses than most people work in in their lives because you keep building for the next thing. That's a whole mentality. So do you find that you try to kind of play both sides or are you a build it and get out guy? Yeah, I think what we found um, is that we're really good with creating the idea, starting the business, and we can get stuff to about a million bucks and then it gets like outside of our comfort zone and our reality. Um, so I'm a definite, you know, build it up and sell it. So I know, I know I want to get rid of it at some point, which is why the name is never going to be my name and even million dollar collar, which I'm extremely deeply passionate about. Um, I, I want, I, I hope that my goal is to get my shirt sales to a thousand a day. I've got, uh, a, my dry erase board and I just, my goal is a thousand shirts. I want to sell the thousand, then I want to sell a thousand in a year, and then I want to sell a thousand in six months, and I want to sell a thousand in a quarter, and then in a month, and then in a week, and then in a day. And when I hit a thousand shirts a day, that's a massive company. I should be able to exit for 20, 30 million. And and I've actually this has been like the long haul. Everything else is, I mean, I bought, started, and sold the boat business in less time while I've had million dollar collars this entire time. So we did that four years ago. We we had a potential exit last year. So um, this is just the long haul, but it, hopefully there's going to be more zeros at the end of this one than, than the previous ones. But I'll figure out something after that and go on and do something else. Because I just, I like the creative process. I like coming up with the idea and trying to see if there's something there. Right. You know, it's interesting because the uh, entrepreneurs that I work with on a regular basis that love the launch, you know, they're the hunters, not the farmers. They don't like to stick around for decades. They want to get in and build it up and get out. Um, they tend to be like that in their lives. And so they're serial daters, not marriers. So you've got this nice blend of serial dating and business, but being married in real life. So that's kind of nice. Um when you're starting and, and you've already explained your strategy on the name, which I think is very wise, how deep do you get into brand standards, um, you know, brand guidelines, messaging, personality, all those foundational things? Do you have that from the beginning or does that evolve over time for you? Um, when we did go tireless, uh, that was all my partner is really very good with that kind of stuff with colors. He's come up with all the logos. Um, so he, he's more into that. I don't really, I don't really think about that too much. Um, I just know what I want to say and I, how I want to say it and it evolves. I mean, you know, what message I had six months ago might not be the message today. Um, but with our new shirt that we're doing, we're really trying to hone in on what that new message is going to be because it should tell the whole story. I mean, go tieless. The name says it. We're the first shirt designed to be worn without a tie go tieless. Like it's, that's the name. And now it's, and that's our tagline is for shirt designed to be worn without a tie. Um, but I'm coming up with a shirt that I'm calling the ultimate shirt because it's going to be a 39.99 retail based on an amazing shirt that already sells with some up extra tweaks. It's going to be a $40 shirt that we should be able to blow out and, and exactly. it's great quality. And, you know, in this day and age, that's, that's what we're trying. So they're working on the messaging. My dad is like a marketing genius. So he's, he's trying to come up with a, a tagline that's going to work, but I don't really think too much about that stuff. That's not my, that's not my forte. No, you're more about the, the foundation of it and the problem solving. Uh, so I would think of it as the processes and the operations where they're more of the external messaging, which every, all those parts matter and have to be added in. Um, you know, there's a common thread 
to the businesses you've started so far. They all solve a problem you have or present an opportunity that you identify. Do you ever think outside of your own box and think about, oh, I'm going to do this, I don't know, makeup or hair or things that have nothing to do with your own problems, but you're, you're branching into a different clientele or do you keep that one target audience in the center and just keep revolving around them like spokes on a wheel? Um, I, I think I have a better opportunity to solve a problem that I have. If I don't understand what the problem is, I, I don't think that I can fix it. So um, <clears throat> I think it's, I mean, like the real estate thing, it's not a problem I really have, but I love real estate and I think that there's an opportunity. So, um, you know, it, the, I guess I, I guess I can get out of my own zone, but I don't think um, it's a bad thing. I think you no. know that target audience so well that you think like them and you know how to connect with them. That's really the first step. I see all the time entrepreneurs want to try to go create something for an audience they don't know. Yeah. And they end up missing the mark. And so I think you keep hitting um and striking gold because you keep staying focused on that one target audience. Well, yeah, I mean it's it you know, I wasn't passionate about a sloppy collar, but at the end of the day, because I went through the whole process and now I can walk up to somebody and point at them and say, dude, your shirt sucks. And, or don't you hate when it does this and show them the option. They're like, Oh my God, I love that. So it, it grew and become, became much more personal to me over time. Um, but you know, I, I, I just don't see how I could solve a problem that I don't really have, you know? Well, do you run into the, the, the problem of, of a slippery slope of like, okay, now I need to have more SKUs in my line. So, you know, if I'm selling collared shirts, maybe I need to sell cufflinks. I need to sell handkerchiefs or, uh, you know, accessories, which may help the bottom line, but at the same time, you're getting away from your core value of what you provide, you know, and how do you handle that, that part of it? So I, I was torn about that in the beginning. Um, you know, some people were like, dude, you only have one SKU. And I'm like, well, okay, I have one SKU. But then I look at it from the customer's perspective and how do I make it a, the best buying process? So if you think that getting my product and taking it to the dry cleaner or the tailor down the block and giving them 10 or 15 bucks to sew this into your shirt is too big of a pain in the ass to do, then how about I sell you uh, a shirt that's already got it installed? Like I will buy shirts. So I have wholesale accounts with brands. I buy all the shirts. I rip them all open. I sew million dollar collar and I fold them back the best I can stick them back in the bag. And now you can just go buy a shirt that you already know and love. So you could do it that way. Then to me, mailing in shirts to me so that we can upgrade them and then send them back to you just made zero sense to me whatsoever. When there's literally a hundred thousand tailors and 40,000 dry cleaners in the U S like you can't hit a golf ball and not hit a a dry cleaner or a tailor. And people want to spend the money to mail them to us. I fought that for years. I put it up and we've sold hundreds of that service. And it's just like, cause it's easy. And they just, so I always try to just look at things from the customer's perspective. And then I've hooked up with a couple other people that, you know, now I've built out this, I call it the complete style pack. So we've got these things called flex cuffs. So if you like to roll your sleeve, it's just an elastic band that connects to your cuff so that your sleeve stays up. And I haven't touched my sleeve this whole time and it's set right underneath my elbow, the way I like it. And you can only roll it once. So if you've got a contrast, you can still see it. I love it. Kids from Chicago. I'm from Milwaukee. Well, great. Let's do business. So we added flex flex cuff. Uh, Another guy has um, a little, these little silicone tabs called cuff adapters. So you could put that tab on the button side of your dress shirt and wear cufflinks with any dress shirt. Brilliant. I love it. You know, they're inexpensive, but they're, they're, they're closely related to what we're doing. So to me, adding those couple extra things and getting an upsell here and upsell there, we ended up going and getting uh, metal collar stays made with our name on them. And so that's a nice little upsell. That upsell usually covers the cost of shipping. So now every time I sell that, which is almost every time I've covered my shipping cost, although the post office is going insane. So it went from like 280 to ship something. Now it's like 380. So, um, you know, we're, we're, but those little things is I went from a two pack. Now I got a five and a 10 pack. Now I got plastic stays. You can buy 60 plastic stays. You believe it on Amazon, there's two companies that sell like 1560 packs of collar stays a month. Collar stays 60, 60 pack, 1500 a month each. They're doing like $80,000 a month of collar stays. I'm like, so I own, I have collar stays on there. 
but it's all branding to me. Like I'm not going to put out a blank plastic collar stay. It's got million dollar collar on, or it's got go Tylus on it. And so it's just one more time that somebody's like, Oh yeah, million dollar collar. I should go order some more. So there's a couple of clients that I work with um, through a, a consultation that I do at Epidlo Foundation um, that have huge Amazon stores and their challenge is always the follow up after the sale. What kind of tips and tricks do you use uh, to build relationships when people come through that kind of um, a partner? Amazon's tricky. I fought it forever because you don't get any of the data and you don't have a real relationship. And what, you know, again, my website, if you go click on one thing, you know, you go buy a 10 pack million dollar collar, it'll say, Hey, you want to buy another 10 pack? I'll give you 65% off because I've already got the shipping covered. So you can upgrade this sale to twice. And I went from a $14 average sale to 34 almost overnight with that. And then the collar stays after is another three bucks. Again, my shipping's covered. So now people are leaving with three, four, five items on most sales. Amazon, it's just one. Like I don't get that upsell opportunity, which sucks. So what we designed with my buddy who did almost a half a billion dollars on Amazon is a warning card. It says read before use. And then it takes you to our website. And we have a map of all of our installers that we, all the 650 dry cleaners and tailors that we work with, there's a map. So we're trying to help direct them, but that's just a sub sub page of our website. So we try to get them through that way. What I really want to do is start doing like a, you know, on the one year anniversary of somebody that's bought like, Hey, you know, how's it going? And just send them a card, like in the mail card, um, and just try to have another touch point and start following up. But you start thinking about, okay, well, you're doing 20, 30, 40 orders a day times. And then, but you just got to get a system in place and do it. But I think those more touch points that you can get, especially with Amazon, I can pull out all the, I can pull their, their home address and where it was shipped to. So if I can get that data, I got to use that and just send them a postcard or something. It's smart getting them to go back to the website though. Cause if you can get them to go look for an installer, maybe they'll click into something else and develop the relationship that way. Um, I love the the birthday card or whatever you're going to call the thing you, you physically mail, you know, postcards are inexpensive to send and that's always nice. I, um, I we do work with a number of different real estate companies. And that's one of the things that I'm always pushing them is, you know, when the house sales a year later, celebrate that. Send them a postcard with the seeds built into the papers. So they can go plant it in the front yard and have sunflower. You know, make it something special. And I think when you can go that extra mile and connect with people, that's going to build the brand because that's when they're mm-hmm. going to remember you for the thoughtfulness. Yeah. And if I can send them that, get them back to the website. I mean, as we launch this shirt, which will be on Amazon and, you know, a ton of other places, but it's just something different. And it's, it's a little bit about us, but it's like a, Hey, thanks for, you know, thanks for hanging around. I hope you love the way you look. And you know, it's the more touch points you can get. And I think people have gone away from the mail and I'm not, I can't call these people because I don't have their phone numbers. So I, it's right. the only way I can get in touch with those people. So Right. It's just getting the system in place and getting it done. All right. I heard you say, I love the way you look. I think it's a great phrase. Are we going to get an ugly phone call from men's warehouse? Is that about to happen? Um, because you just <laughs> used their tagline. I don't want to get us in trouble. You know, what's crazy is my dad, the marketing guru. Uh, he emailed me or called me like last week, two weeks ago. And he said, dude, they're not using. I like the way you look. I guarantee it anymore. Let's go take the trademark. And so we called our, I called our trademark guy. Actually, I called the patent guy and he goes, oh, dude, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And I called my trademark guy and he goes, I, patent guys always say that. I would love to do this. And they actually still do. I, it looked like it was abandoned, but it's not. So we were going, we were going to try to take it. But This close. We well, were about yeah. to break a major news story and you <laughs> slide in there and steal in their tagline. I got that the would email have been yesterday awesome. that it's not going to happen. So. Well, when you talk about um, marketing and whatnot, like I, I just made me think about it. Um, my, my kids make fun of me because I, I play a lot with TikTok and we have to because a lot of our clients are on it. But um, I came across an ad. I watched a lot of golf videos. And uh, one of them was a guy that had a shirt. It was um, a golf shirt that had a stiff collar. So he said, you know, you can wear a golf shirt with a, with a jacket and it looks like you're professional. You know, that was his sell. 
um, I don't know, I, I, you know, I just came across it, but it's made me think of you as well. Like, are you into those media channels? Are you advertising in there or, or try to build a following on the, in, in, in any other the new media opportunities that are out there? So with our new shirt coming, we are going to do a lot of micro influencers and that type of thing. Million dollar collar has always been a challenge because what you can see and they can't, is this is what you get. Two of these, it doesn't look like anything. So it's hard to get somebody to translate what the product does. What we did originally was hook up with all the biggest fashion influencers on YouTube and they did you know, review videos on what the product was that launched us out, you know, right out of the gate. And so we knew the, the product is very demonstrable and we had to do it that way. So once this shirt is in and it's just a single view, like you want a white, black or light blue, we've got them all. We're going to have a three pack. We're going to have bundles where you can get them for better prices. So once that is in place, we will definitely go to those markets for those marketing avenues. Um, I mean, we do Facebook and, and Instagram ads and things like that and Google, but for the, at the end of the day, it's cheaper on Amazon. I get more sales on Amazon. I make more money on Amazon. It's just that it, that's where it's all at. So mm-hmm. it's just limited. I mean, just because of the nature of the product, but I, I think when the shirt comes out, we'll, we'll definitely have some opportunity. When you talk about, um, if you had to identify, I'm sure you've thought about all this and have it down somewhere, but like, um, what is your target audience? Is, is it business professionals? Is it obviously men? But like, w- when you were really honing it down to that one specific personality profile, who is it that you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, um, we kind of came into, it's like the, it's the, like the male boy budget, but the CEO look was kind of, where we were at and, but our dry cleaning customers are like, dude, the CEO, my, my high end guys love this because it's super easy. And then none of them are wearing ties and they don't care about 10 bucks or 12 bucks if I charge them and put it in. So their customers were definitely the higher end guy. Our customer direct is, is kind of that 25 to 34 guy. Um, you know, you'll see our websites is, is heavily male because 95% of all dress shirts sold are from men. I mean, Ladies have a thousand other choices to wear to still look professional. We have a dress shirt. It, it, to me, it's the most versatile thing in your closet. So, I mean, I'm 45, almost 45 years old. So I'm that market, you know, I'm in there. I, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to put on a dress shirt. I want to look good. I'm going to, you know, I can wear it tucked, untucked. I can button it up. I can button it down. I can roll the sleeves. Like to me, it's just so versatile. So our guy is at, I'd say 25 to 45, probably for the what? most part. How do you factor in women that that purchase for men that dress their men or or you know is that a consideration at all? Uh, it is, but you know it's such a touchy world these days with what you can and can't say politically correct. You know, it's like we wanted to say, hey, hey, ladies, get your guy something great. Well, then you get people whining about I don't have a guy. I have a dad or a brother or a girl or I have a this or I have whatever, dude. Like I, it's just there's so it's just to me, it was easier to focus in on men because I could tell that story directly. Um, but I have noticed, and I don't know if it's our new ad guy, but I've seen a lot more women's names coming through our Amazon orders lately. So the message is getting across one way or another. I, again, I put that out to somebody else to do. I don't, I don't handle that really. Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, generally and speaking, not to be sex or not, but, you know, most good looking, well-dressed men have a woman behind them that is telling them what to wear, you know, generally, unless mm-hmm. you just happen to be in that, you know, that, that world. But I think, you know, you have that idea. Point of clarification, uh, most of the best dressed men have a man standing behind them, uh, but second is a woman. That's just accurate. for clarification. <laughs> so then, you know, it's like, hey, guy, get you guys. I mean, it's just like, you gotta, now you got to start telling 37 different messages. So that can like be complicated. Uh, kiss. Kiss is my favorite thing. So. Well, I know down here in the, in the South, uh, the Southern businessman, it, it's always tireless. It, it's a it's a dress shirt open with, with a sports coat. I would think that because it's so humid it, and, you know, lawyers may still wear ties in the court, that kind of thing. But generally, when you see them walk around in our downtown area, for example, because of the heat, the humidity, having to put jackets on and off, you want that kind of casual, still professional look, you know? So I would think that, you know, again, in, in any market, there's a huge opportunity there just to tap into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, most of our sales come, you know, New York, Florida, California, uh, Georgia's getting up there. 
So, you know, when we were, you know, when they came and filmed billion dollar idea here, they went to downtown Atlanta and, and interviewed people and it was five to zero, what shirt looks better before or after. And they had two guys, black shirts, one with million dollar collar, one without. And it's no question. I mean, you're walking around, you see someone, you're just like, dude, I don't know what it is. But something looks, looks tight. It looks put together. What's, um, what's next for you? I mean, obviously you have your goals and you're trying to get to a certain point with this particular product. Is there anything that you already have on the horizon or things that you're thinking about, or you just kind of right now I'm deep in this and this is what I'm focused on. Uh, I'm deep in this, you know, I, my mind does tend to wander. Uh, my wife is a stunt woman, so she's super crazy, badass, awesome. Um, she's actually working on fear of the walking dead right now. She's out of town. So I'm putting in the horse fence when she's not here. So I work on that, uh, business wise, you know, I want to get this boat sold. So we're cut off and done with Los Angeles. Finally. Um, we've got this real estate thing we're working on. My wife came up with a really amazing two ideas that we're trying to find time to do something with. Um, so, you know, we like to keep, keep the plate pretty full, but you know, that's what we like to talk about and, and dive into. Makes more sense now. I'm looking at your picture online at 2018 Taurus World Stunt Awards. And so now, now it all plays out. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah, yeah. That's well, why we're in Atlanta. It's the movie making capital of the world. Way to bear the lead. If we had known your wife was cooler than you, we'd have booked her. I'm just letting you yeah. know. I know. I try to save that till later. I don't want to go out there, but I always have to mention it. I mean, it's. Well, yeah. I've, I've had the opportunity to work in Los Angeles for years and meet up with some stunt people. They are a very special breed. Uh, they are more badass than the rest of us combined, except for maybe, yep. obviously, the men and women who serve in the armed forces. That's about it. So, you know, we talk about doing videos and stuff like all these guys have cameras and they all want to do like we've got BMX dudes and biker stunt dudes. And it's like, you know, we've got an idea. So one of the guys came up with an idea to do the opposite of Superman. So he's going to put his shirt on and then do all the cool stuff when his shirt's on. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be shooting that hopefully in the next once these shirts come in, in the next few weeks. So I love that. That's good. That's going to be awesome. Listen, I, I can't say thank you enough um, for your time. And I always like to close with um, a question. You know, I think we had a great hour together. You helped a lot of people understand a lot more about how they can be more successful. But is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? What did I miss? Um. I don't know. I, All I right. think we covered most, most I like stuff. Being thorough. Okay, good. Yeah, awesome. no, I think we're good. Um, well, listen, when you get the shirts out and you're ready to talk about the next five businesses that you're starting, um, give us a call because we'd love to have you back on. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for your time. Rob Kessler. 